Good morning, fam. So good to be together in the presence of the Lord again. Uh, just expecting great things. I mean, He's already started, you know. And so, just want, I'm just still yet in anticipation of, oh God, if you're starting this way, ah, oh, the best is still yet to come. Amen. Now, so we've got school starting up for my young folks again. My students, would you do me a favor? Would you please stand where you are, students? getting ready to go back to school. Yeah, yeah. There we go, there we go. Love on them. And stay standing, stay standing. Don't sit, sit yet. If you are close to a student, I want you to do me a favor. I want you to stand next to them. Put your hand on them. We are going to bless them. Uh, you know, as a kid, something that my father did that greatly impacted me is every day before I went to school, he laid his hand on me and prayed for me and blessed me. And so parents, I want to remind you some of the most powerful things that you could do for your children is speak a blessing over them. And so what we're going to do as, as a family this morning is we're going to pray for these students that God would bless them, protect them, give them wisdom and understanding that they would have good success in their learning and that uh, he would just keep them, keep them from the plans of the enemy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for these young people. We thank you for the gift that they are to us and to the world. You have made them for a specific person, each for a specific purpose. Each one of them are special in your sight. And so, Father, we say that they are blessed this morning. We ask for your divine protection, that your angels would walk with them as they go to and fro from school. We ask that you would keep them alert, that you would give them wisdom to succeed in their studies. We ask that you would give them discernment to stay away from negative and wicked influences. Uh, we pray for their teachers, God. We pray for the right kind of people to be investing into them. We pray for right relationships and friendships. And uh, we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, we don't always take time for our young people just to know that they're loved and blessed. All right, so this morning, um, I will be sharing on the topic, a return to rest. A return to rest, the easy yoke and the light burden. And this is really a call to discipleship. And if you have your Bibles, please turn to Matthew, the 11th chapter. Matthew 11, and we'll begin at verse 25. Matthew 11 and verse 25. Give myself time to get it, huh? <laughs> All right. So beginning at verse 25, it says, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son 
except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden on this Labor Day weekend, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We'll read those last few just to let it settle. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Powerful words from Jesus. If you can imagine being there and being present as Jesus is talking, there would be people present just like you and I. People who have been working hard, unsatisfied with where they are in life, whether that be naturally or spiritually, and trying to do their best to accomplish, to succeed, to work hard, to make something of themselves. And when you're working in your own strength, it always leaves you empty. I mean, we, we stay in the bookstore buying self-help books on the hacks to life or how to do this faster, how to do that better because we are in some sense unsatisfied with who we are or where we are in life. And Jesus says, hold on, if you've been struggling really hard and if you're tired and you're worn out, come to me and I will give you rest. See, the truth is, is we're all looking for rest. Everyone is looking for rest. That's the goal of humanity, so to speak, is rest. In Genesis, if you remember where God was having a, a great time creating things, and you know, you read, you know, he said, let there be lights, and boom, lights appear. He's like, oh, that's good. It's kind of like if he's making a cake and he's got all the ingredients and he's mixing the batter and you know how you put your finger in the batter and you taste it and it tastes just right and you go, ooh, yeah, that's, that's good. God is kind of doing that in Genesis. He's creating things, the, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, the land animals, you know, the vegetation, plants, trees, all kinds of fruits. And he's, oh, this is good. Then he gets to the sixth day and he, he creates humanity. And then on the seventh day, it says that he sees everything that he made and it's good. It's good. Now think about the Garden of Eden for a moment. No lack. Everything you need. 
permeated with the presence of God, no sense of lack within yourself, no sense of I'm not enough, I need people to like me, I need to do more of this, no sense of insecurity whatsoever, just chilling in the presence of God. Chills, isn't it? And so on the seventh day, God says, let's take a chill pill. And see, the summit wasn't him creating humankind. The summit of creation was day seven, the rest where we just get to be. And in the being, he says, there's nothing else needed. It's all here. It's all complete. Dwelling in his presence where he and he alone is sufficient. Meeting every need, no sense of self, and then all of a sudden this joker shows up in the garden one day. And he says, oh, you know, it's nice. Y'all got lots of stuff, but there's that one tree over there. And I think God's hiding something from you because you're missing something. You lack something. And all of a sudden they start to, oh, we, we might be lacking something. God's keeping something from us. We gotta get this. And all of a sudden they go to try to meet what they think is a need in their own strength, in their own power. And they act apart from God. Ever since Humanity has been broken and things missing. But this state of completeness, there's a Hebrew word for that known as shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Complete and whole in the presence of God. And Jesus is saying, look, I know you're searching for this. But the way you're searching for it and the way that you're going about it is leaving you empty. It's leaving you hungry. You're spending tons of money and you can't buy it. You're working long hours and you can't earn it. It's a check that comes up short each time and it leaves you bitter saying, I got to do more or you get completely overwhelmed and you quit. And these are the kind of people that Jesus is talking to. He says, come to me and I'll give you rest. A rabbi by the name of Joshua Heschel, he, makes the, he says these words. He says that last in creation, first in intention, the Sabbath is the end of the creation of heaven and earth. This Ability just to be the Sabbath. God instituted the day of rest to remind us you don't have to keep developing things. Life is not just about trying to improve and work harder and get more stuff and better yourself. No, the purpose of the Sabbath is to remind us, hey, just be. We are human beings, but how quickly we reduce ourselves to human doings. That I gotta do, if I do this, oh, now, I, now I'm good, right? And he says, just be. And so he says, take my yoke upon you. 
and learn from me. Rest is not about working, but about being. It's not about living from a place of a, it's about living from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. I'll say that again. Rest is about living from a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. Now, what do I mean by that? In Christ, we have everything we need. Everything. We believe that God is going to take care of us. When we are not resting, we are in anxiety. And we're saying, well, no, I got to do this. I got to make this happen. And I'm not saying that we don't need to work or we don't need to put forth effort. I'm just saying our disposition needs to be different. We don't need to be working or have work as our orientation. We need to have rest. Where I'm at rest, I'm at peace, I'm at, I'm at rest in Christ, and it is from this disposition that I work. Because I know that, yeah, I'm working, but God is going to take care of everything. See, this is not about me. It's not about what I can accomplish. When I do work, I work from a place of rest. Now, how do we get there? Here's the symbol for rest. It's a yoke. If we can put up that next slide, I want you to see what a, a yoke is. Here is a picture of a yoke. Doesn't that look restful? <laughs> Doesn't it look like freedom? Oh, yeah. He says, take my yoke upon you. Now, a yoke was used by a farmer or by farmers uh, to harness the power of oxen. And what they would do is they would take, when they wanted to train an ox, they would pair an inexperienced, usually younger ox with a mature, experienced ox. And what would happen was, is when they would begin to plow, the mature, stronger, experienced ox would lead and dictate the pace. Because the younger ox would want to just go and brute strength and not pace and just do a lot of work fast, but quick burnout. And so the older ox, the experienced, the wise ox would say, when that young ox would want to go, I'm like, uh-uh, <laughs> slow down. I'm leading. Lean this way. This is the way we're going. We're going to go this way. Stop. And so this all, this older experienced ox set the pace for the younger inexperienced ox. And so Jesus says, if you want to get your life back, your real life, if you want to enter into a real rest, you got to embrace the yoke. Now, this is tricky because if you like me, I hate yokes. I'm just being honest. I don't like anybody putting me in a box or labeling me, my wife will tell you this is true. And the, <laughs> she said, yes. And, and the Holy Spirit, he, he does work with me and he deals with me. But if you, if you tell me, go left, there's something in me just because you said go left. 
just because you said it, <laughs> I'm going right. <laughs> and by your laughs, I know I ain't the only one. <laughs> but he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, truth be told, Jesus isn't the only one with a yoke. Some of us are yoked to other things or other people. And it's not a yoke of freedom. See, Jesus says, I'm gentle. I'm lowly of heart. What he's saying is, I'm meek. And what he means by meek is meek. Jesus is powerful, but it's power under control. And Jesus knows if he unleashes all of his power on you, we'd be on the ground and on the floor. So he's meek with his leadership. He's tender with his leadership with each and every one of us. And so when he says, follow me, when he invites us into a life of discipleship, he reminds us, hey, I'm not going to kill you. I've got work for you. And this work is going to be hard sometimes, but it's going to be refreshing and rest to your souls. Some of the other things that we're yoked up to you know, we, we submit because it's the promise of rest. Like, if you get this, this is fulfillment. There's the inundation of pornography on the internet. And you look at it because it promised you instant gratification. And so you lower your neck. All of a sudden, that thing is dragging you all over the place. And now... You have no say because that yoke of pornography cares nothing about you. It's out to destroy you, so it's dragging you and pulling you all over the place. Some of us are yoked to our own ideas of what we think we need, the yoke of approval of other people. And so instead of following Jesus, we're at the whim of whoever we think we need whose approval we need. And so if they say, you, if you did this, you would be, you'd be good. And so, okay, I'm going to do that. And many of, our, many of us spend our lives trying to make ourselves more pleasing for other people. But Jesus says, embrace my yoke. His yoke is a yoke of freedom. In Proverbs 14, 12, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. There are many gospels out there that are promising you freedom, that are promising you peace, that are promising you joy, but there's only one way, and that's Jesus. And it's to submit to him, to submit to his leadership, to, to bow the head in humility and to take his yoke. Rabbis often refer to their teaching as a yoke. Because the student or the disciple needed to learn from them and you were going to have to follow their leading. And so Jesus, as our rabbi, calls us to embrace his yoke. In this next slide, we see uh, some oxen here with the yoke working together. And Jesus, he calls his yoke easy. <laughs> and he says, his burden is light. An easy yoke and a light burden. Why? Because the smaller one here 
is us. The wise, all-powerful one is him. See, we're in one part of the yoke, but let's not forget Jesus has the other part of the yoke. And he is pulling the weight and he's working with us. So we're not in it alone. And some of us, as, as I'm talking, you, you, the Holy Spirit is revealing or perhaps giving you insight on, wait, I might be yoked up to some things I don't need to be yoked up to. Even Paul in his writing, he, he says, do not be unequally yoked to unbelievers. <laughs> this is important for Christians now because if you're unequally yoked, and you're unequally yoked to an unbeliever who's much stronger than you are in your faith, they're gonna pull you all over the place. And so we don't need to be learning the wisdom of the world, the ways of the world. We have to be yoked to Jesus. We have to be connected to him. And so Jesus offers this way of learning, this way of entering into discipleship of following him. And, you know, when we talk about discipleship, when we talk about following Jesus, there are many definitions that work, but there's one in particular that I wanted to use for this morning, and this definition is given by Dallas Willard. And Dallas Willard says this. He says that a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. A disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to learn how to do what Jesus said to do. Now, most of us, we would read this definition as a disciple is a person who has decided that the most important thing in their life is to know what Jesus said to do. Because most of us, we can quote scriptures to you. We can tell you what the Bible said. I mean, if you're out on the streets and you come across an unbeliever the wrong way, they'll even tell you what the scripture says. <laughs> and so the lack of knowledge that we're missing is this intimately knowing of how do I do it? I know that I'm supposed to forgive, but how do I do it? I know that I'm supposed to walk in love, but how do I do it? And so we want to be a people who are not only knowing what to do, but we're making sure we're putting our effort and energy into becoming the type of people who do, who are doers and not hearers. Like James says, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. Now, when we talk about learning, um, there's three ways of learning. Um, there's a book called the, um, Developing a Discipling Culture. And in this book, they talk about three ways of learning. Three ways of learning, and we're familiar with these ways of learning. Uh, the first way of learning is classroom lecture style, right? That's the one that we're most familiar with. You sit in the classroom and you listen. Or it could be Sunday morning teaching, you know? You're listening. And it's one way of learning, an effective way and has its place, but it's not the only way. The second mode of learning is apprenticeship, where you are watching someone 
who is proficient in their craft and you are learning the craft from them, such as an electrician or a carpenter. The third way of learning is immersion. You are just immersed in an environment and you've just got to do it and learn the tricks of the trade as you go. For instance, if I was learning a language like Spanish, I would sit in the classroom and I would, you know, read the book, listen to the lectures, and they would say, hey, the way that you greet people is you say, hola, hola, que tal? Your response is, estoy bien. ¿Y tú? Bien, gracias. You see, you, you learn it in the classroom. They give you the instruction, but then maybe you have a tutor or someone who is really proficient in speaking Spanish. And so they start telling you how to roll those R's, right there. You gotta, you gotta, you know, they're helping you with your dictation, you know. But then the third way is that you actually go to a Spanish-speaking country and you try to speak it and you end up saying a few bad words and they're like, no, don't say that. Come on, you gotta. And they're teaching you the tricks of the trade saying, hey, this is how it actually works in the midst of the culture. Because, you know, taking Spanish in class and then going, going around Spanish people, it's different, you know? Sometimes they're like, well, that's not the Spanish from my country, you know? That's the Spanish from Spain. That's not the Spanish from Mexico. And so when you're immersed in a culture, you get a different kind of learning. And so as believers, as disciples, if we're going to be serious about prioritizing our life around becoming the type of people who are intent on learning to do the things that Jesus commanded us to do, then we must make sure that we're posturing ourselves to learn. Not just by learning, but there may be people that you see the life of God in. And you're like, you know what? There's something about them. Ask them, can I spend some time with you? Can we go out for coffee, for lunch? Can we set aside some time? And that means those of you who are mature in the faith, who've been walking with the Lord for years, that means you got to get in the game. That means you can't just come to church and just chill and then go home because, you know, and you've got your private devotion, the devotional life. You own six or seven commentaries. You know how to break down the Hebrew and the Greek and you're, and you're coming and you're like, I'm good. No, God didn't give you all of that to sit on it. See, a part of being a disciple is being a disciple maker. And so there are many of us who have great gifting. God has gifted us and people of substance and you need to make yourselves available to say, hey, I'm here. I want to help others walk with Jesus. Now, here at Grace, in my role as the pastor of discipleship, I have been tasked with the responsibility is to help us figure out how we're going to do that. You know, my responsibility is not to do all the discipleship, but it's to help us figure out and say, okay, this is what this looks like in our community. And so as a church, we have two things that we are going to be introducing in the fall that are pathways to be discipled. There are many vehicles to be discipled in. Sunday morning is a vehicle, right? One-on-one -on -one mentorship is a vehicle. Those of you who go to Bible studies, that's a vehicle. And so there are two vehicles that we're going to be introducing 
uh, called D groups and C groups. I'm just gonna give you a brief explanation. Hopefully it's not enough to confuse you. But if you stick with me, um, you know, we'll get somewhere. So D groups. Now when we talk about discipleship, being yoked to Jesus means we need to be yoked to his body. Hear me in that. Jesus commanded his disciples to make disciples. You can't make disciples just you and Jesus. You gotta have people in your life, right? And so while my relationship, while I have matured and grown by my own personal relationship with Jesus, it has done wonders. It is the bedrock of my faith. God has always, at strategic times, sent men and women to come alongside of me to get to a place where I cannot get to on my own. And so that's why we can't fall to the idol of independence in this country. This idol that says we can do it by ourselves, that we are enough alone. And God gives us the gift of his body. So D groups, a D group. What is a D group? A D group is a group that consists of two to six people and it's gender specific. And I'll tell you why in a second. It meets weekly for an hour and 15 minutes. A D group, you spend time in God's word and time journaling what you hear the Lord speaking to you through his word. Then there is a time for transparent sharing. The reason D groups are gender specific is that this is a time to, to, to bear your soul and your heart. And sometimes there are things that men just need to be transparent with other men. And women need to be transparent with other women. And so that's the goal of this group. Is it gives a place for transparent sharing, but also a place for listening prayer. How, is the, how are you learning from the Holy Spirit to pray for someone else? Now, what is the benefit of a D group? The benefit of a D group is that it provides a lifestyle of growth. See, all of us say we want to grow in our faith. But when you get committed to a D group, now you got to do it. And it's saying, okay, I'm going to put on the yoke. And I'm going to do it because there's a whole lot of yokes out here. But this is a yoke that gets you to the place of rest. It also gives you that personal attention because of the size. You don't want to have 15 people in a D group because you're doing intimate sharing and you won't have enough time. It also teaches you how to hear God. And as a disciple, that is one of the most important things you can do is learn to hear and obey what God is speaking to you. So that's a D group. The next is a C group. And... You know, the D group, it stands for discipleship, but don't let that fool you. Discipleship is not the only place that discipleship happens, okay? That's one of the ways, and that's why we call it a D group. It isn't to say that discipleship isn't happening anywhere else except the D group. It's just the D group. C group, which is community group, it consists of six to 20 people, and it's inclusive, it's seasonal. For instance, you can be in a, a C group from September to December or just a couple of months or the summer. You know, it's seasonal. It's biweekly and it meets for one to two hours because you have a lot of people in that group and it's about being a family on mission. In this group, you get to be cared for. You get to be loved and, and looked after. 
It's gathered around a mission and a purpose, and there is a rhythm to it. The benefits of a C group is authentic friendships, people that you share life with. Sometimes, you know, if something happens to you, you go into the hospital, you need to have people who you're sharing your life with who can be there and be present for you. And that can happen in a C group. You know, let's not fool ourselves and think that we can do deep relationships here on a Sunday morning. It's just not gonna happen. You know, and this is not conducive for that. But that's why we have C groups and D groups to take us deeper into community and relationship. Also, life change. You're committing to doing life with a large number of people. And then lastly, it's built around a shared mission, a sense of purpose. Now, after this service, if you say, you know what? I want to be a part of a D group. I want to start a D group. I want to start a C group. I want to be a leader in one of those things. Um, there is a place for you to sign up out in the lobby. Um, my wife will be there in the beginning and I'll join her and we'll be taking names. And what I'll do is I'll contact you later where we'll give you information. We'll let you know about training. These will be in addition to our small groups that are happening right now. And so we'd love to have you, if, if you feel like, man, I know I need to get involved, I know that I need to be discipled or I need to be making disciples, building relationships in some kind of way, this is an on-ramp for you. This is an on-ramp. And you may be saying, you know, I don't see C groups in the Bible, I don't see D groups in the Bible. Well, listen, remember it's a vehicle. In the Bible, you do see the early church starting in houses and intimate community. And the other thing, it's the Eastern culture, one built upon hospitality, where people know how to live their lives in relationship together. In our culture, we have become so selfish, you know, my own, my own things. And so a C group and a D group is just a vehicle to teach us how to do life again, to teach us how to do relationships. And so that's an opportunity um, that if you'd love to hear more about, please sign up and we will get in touch with you and let you know what else is coming. Also, if you're here this morning and you're saying to yourself, you know what, I've been yoked up to some things that I really need to get free from. We do have a soul care conference that's coming up that I would encourage each and every one of you to sign up and register for. Powerful, life-changing. But also, in the meantime, come for prayer. Come for prayer after service. Have someone pray for you and say, hey, I know I'm yoked up to the wrong thing and I wanna embrace the yoke of Jesus. Many of us are attached to things that just lead us in the wrong direction. Please stand to your feet. Jesus offers us rest, a return to rest, the way of the easy yoke and the light burden. And maybe you're here this morning and you're not even a follower of Jesus and you're hearing the word and you're like, I gotta bow the neck and embrace the yoke. Some of you here this morning, you've prayed the prayer of salvation and you thought that it was all about getting the passport to heaven. 
And there is so much more plus heaven. (laughs) So much more. So much more that God wants to teach you, show you, and help you in. And embracing the yoke is what you need to do. If you are any one of those three people, please don't hesitate to come for prayer and say, you know what? I need to follow him. I need to be a disciple. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that um, for the invitation. We thank you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. That no one comes to the Father but by him. Thank you that you have made him known and you have revealed the way of salvation. Father, I pray for those who may be struggling today for courage to step out and do something different, to step out and even respond. Grant them the grace to step forward and to bow the neck to the yoke of freedom, the yoke of Christ. Thank you that we can enter into rest and be at peace in Christ. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you.